Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What a John le Carré novel can teach about China. Written and narrated by Paul French. First published in Sup China. Preeminent master of spy fiction David Cornwell, a.k.a. John le Carré, died last December. Since then, we've had a chance to remember how much his writing changed the way we think of espionage storytelling, and indeed, international espionage itself. After all, he popularised a vocabulary. Joes, moles, lamplighters, babysitters, honey traps, Moscow Centre, the circus. Le Carre's Asia-set magnum opus is his 1977 novel, The Honourable Schoolboy, which flits between George Smiley in London at the circus and Hong Kong, with a detour to Vientiane, the capital of Laos. The novel follows Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy in 1974, and Smiley's uncovering of Bill Hayden as a highly placed KGB mole in the circus. Hayden is caught, but the fallout leads to the potential destruction of British intelligence by Smiley's nemesis, Carla, the head of Moscow Centre. The Honourable Schoolboy is the story of Smiley's attempt to rescue the reputation of British intelligence and move from the defensive to the offensive, to take the game back to Carla and to destroy the KGB's valuable Asian networks. The Honourable Schoolboy is also one of Le Carre's most personal books, along with 1986's A Perfect Spy, which recreates his own peripatetic childhood and con-man father while also offering us a number of insights into Asia and China that are key to understanding the trajectory of Western relations with China after World War II and up to the 1997 handover of Hong Kong. What are those insights? Well, here's Le Carre's 10 China history lessons from the Honourable Schoolboy. Number one, bad Sinology. After 1949, British intelligence was, according to Le Carre, almost bereft of any serious sinological understanding. Le Carre's most recent biographer, Adam Sisman, recounts that one of young David Cornwell's tasks when first recruited by the service in the 1950s was to investigate potential Chinese industrial espionage against the UK. MI5, Britain's domestic counterintelligence and security agency, believed that China's spy agency, the Central Investigation Department, was recruiting overseas students. Le Carre checked out some Chinese students, as well as others from Hong Kong, Singapore and Malaysia. All ethnically Chinese students were deemed suspect. He uncovered not a single agent. What is useful to know, when trying to understand British intelligence's capabilities regarding China in the immediate post-war period, is that Le Carre was astonished to find that the service's China experts were mostly retired pre-war missionaries with rather austere views on China and the Chinese, and decidedly imperfect language skills. In The Honourable Schoolboy, Le Carre invents a character, Doc DeSalis, who, though a former missionary, is everything the real self-proclaimed China hands he'd encountered were not, an expert on communist China, who 
who is also fluent in a number of dialects. 2. Stay behind agents. Le Carré was convinced that both Soviet and Western intelligence had arranged for stay-behind spies to remain under deep cover in the new communist state. These were mostly Chinese citizens, untainted by known affiliation with the pre-1949 nationalist regime, and with no apparent overseas contacts or education that would make them suspicious. In The Honourable Schoolboy, Nelson Ko is a stay-behind, who has risen to a high position in the Shanghai shipyards and is feeding back information on China's naval capacities while appearing to be a loyal party member. 3. KGB moles in Red China Even without the rancour of the Sino-Soviet split, Le Carrier is quite clear that Moscow Centre had its own network in China. Most appear to have been recruited after being sent to study at a Russian institution. Nelson Ko was recruited by Carla at Leningrad University. It makes one think considering most senior pre-1949 Chinese Communist Party leaders who became high officials in the Mao Zedong and Deng Xiaoping administrations spent some time in Russia, while many in the later Jiang Zemin and Hu Jintao administrations were graduates of Russian universities. 4. KMT rogues in Southeast Asia The notion of renegade and uncontrollable former Guomindang army units who never surrendered or went to Taiwan is long-standing and true. Le Carre reminds us that many later involved themselves in organised crime, smuggling narcotics in the Golden Triangle, Myanmar, Thailand and throughout Southeast Asia. Their reach was across the region. In the Honourable Schoolboy, they operate from Kowloon to Laos, while their smuggling involves regular incursions into PRC airspace and territory. 5. The Disappeared Lucare's sinologist De Salis is quite clear that just because people appear to disappear from the official records in China, they may not be dead, but rather disappeared. There are more ways than one of dying in China, aren't there, says De Salis, and not all of them are fatal. Disgraced. Is that a better expression? 6. The Shanghai Mind. The term was originally coined by the journalist and children's author Arthur Ransom, visiting Shanghai in the 1920s. He wrote that the British who ran Shanghai believed that their primary allegiance was to Shanghai. If they belong to England at all, it is to an England that no longer exists. Dr. Salis suggests that the Shanghai mine persisted long after the war and contaminated British intelligence's ability to accurately understand the new People's Republic of China. 7. Sovs repelled. Le Carre is quite clear in The Honourable Schoolboy that Carla's agents have totally failed to penetrate Hong Kong. Their efforts to bring in agents by freighter have been thwarted. Their attempts to bribe Russian emigres in Hong Kong are hopeless. The service is quite clear about how to handle KGB penetration officers. As soon as they're caught, right away the culprits are put on public show. Press photographs? As many as you like, gentlemen. Television? Set up your cameras, please. 8. Useful colonialists Voiced through a discussion among Whitehall Mandarins, Le Carre suggests that during the Sino-Soviet split, Beijing was content to see Hong Kong run by Britain and encourage their unequivocal ousting of any KGB actions in the colony and by default on their doorstep. The quote, Peking hands us a nice pat on the back for containing Soviet expansionism. Number nine, don't piss on the upcoming parade. And Le Carre also explains just why the Brits were so determined to root out and expel KGB agents in the colony. The handover is 20 years hence, and negotiations are about to begin between London and Beijing. 
A major Soviet intelligence presence in Hong Kong would be an appalling embarrassment to the colonial government in her relations with Peking. Oliver Lacon, a civil servant on the Intelligence Committee, tells Smiley's trusted colleague Peter Gwillem, We are therefore not only protecting Hong Kong from the Russians, which is bad enough, but we are also protecting her from the wrath of Peking, which is universally held to be awful. My enemy's enemy is, well, the carré suggests it's a bit more complicated than that, but Cold War realpolitik operated in Asia too. 10. Planning an Eastern novel. And finally, Le Carré gives us some thoughts, not his own, but probably more rants he was subjected to in London's gentlemen's clubs while researching the Honourable Schoolboy, through the voice of Ming Menken, a blustering English literary agent who thinks perhaps Jerry Westerby, a Fleet Street hack out east and part-time spy, should try and write a novel about Asia. Nobody's brought off the Eastern novel recently, in my view. Green managed it, if you can take Green, which I can't. Too much popery. Mauro, if you like philosophy, which I don't. Morm, you can have. And before that, it's back to Conrad. And bringing lunch to a sudden end, one final piece of literary advice for those considering an Eastern novel. Go easy on the Hemingway stuff. All that grace under pressure. Love with your balls shot off. They don't like it. My view, it's been said. John le Carré took his shot at the Eastern novel, and The Honourable Schoolboy was the result. It's still a masterpiece, and still an essential read. <laughs>